Hello, welcome to this special episode of Drop Your Buffs. This episode originally appeared on our Patreon page where we are recapping Survivor Panama Exile Island episode by episode. We have also recapped Survivor Borneo on Patreon and have more exclusive content over there for you to enjoy. So this is a little taste of what's going down on Drop Your Buffs After Dark. It is a recap of Survivor Panama Exile Island episode 11, Medical Emergency, my personal favorite episode of Survivor ever. Plus, we're going to touch down on Big Brother, The Challenge USA, and Red, White, and Royal Blue, because why not? Hope you enjoy this, and if you want to hear more of it, you can check out our Patreon in the link in the show notes below. Everybody, 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 drop your Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs After Dark. I'm Sean Ross. I'm Evan Ross Catch. Sean, that's not your whole <laughs> energy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. What a week. Summer. Anyways. I'm just I, I rushed here and I was like, well, we gotta get this done. Uh, Do you need a moment? No, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> This is my moment. Um, but yes, what a week, what a summer. You said what a week, and I was going to say lemon, it's only... Well, the line is lemon, it's only Wednesday, but it's Tuesday as we record this. Is that about... Is that from Drag Race? No, it's a 30 Rock reference. Oh, I thought we were talking lemon. Oh. You know, lemon gives be. you life. Yeah, not for me. <laughs> well, here we are. It's my favorite Survivor episode. Did it hold up? Yes, it did. But what's funny is it occurred to me about a little over halfway through, I remembered that. And I remember after we recorded, because we took, we had to take a week off last week because of some scheduling issues. And I think because of that two week drop off, I forgot. Mm. So I didn't go into the episode knowing that. Mm. But it occurred to me what I was like, wow, this is a great episode. And then I was like, a light bulb went off. You know what I realized like towards the end, I was like, I think I like this episode so much because there's no tribal council. I think we need more episodes with no tribal councils mm-hmm. because you get so much camp time. And imagine if there was a tribal council and we had to miss some of this great stuff that happens at camp, especially post reward with Courtney and Shane and all the drama with Bruce. And like there's and then, you know, them the three coming back from the reward. There's just so much there. I can't imagine what we would have to cut. It's interesting when you think about like the rather formulaic nature of reality competition. And this is like across the board and like why that is like, why is it so sort of just an accepted format of this style of show that not only will it have these, you know, not only will the format stay the same, but the presentation of the format will always be the same. And you sort of have to wonder, like, why is that? Like, why not change it up? I think that's part of the reason, in particular, shows like Top Model, shows that don't really, that are ultra-reliant on the contestants, aren't able to sustain because people are just like, it becomes so formulaic. I feel like this is beginning to happen with Drag Race, um, where I watch those opening segments where there's like, the formula for drag race in the recent seasons has become like there's like this opening beat where like 
they are in the workroom taking off their drag, and it's sort of like, this competition is heating up. I am gunning for her. No one will outlast me. And I'm like, after a while, it's sort of like, can we play with this? Can we try something new? And then there has to be somebody saying something shady to someone, and yep. they all laugh, and then it goes into the opening credits. It's every single time. Exact every same beat. That's particularly like, I find with Drag Race, it's particularly formulaic in that sense. It's like, we know there there's going to be tension and then someone's going to break the tension by saying something funny or saying something shady. Then we're rolling into the opening credits. And that, like right. it's every, every, it, it's not just like there's a segment, then the opening credits. It's like, no, the segment itself has to have the same beats. Right. And we got this new version of it that I think sort of began with like All-Stars 8 this past season, where there were moments, especially with Jimbo and Candy, mm -hmm. where they were like leaning into that by saying yeah. like, we know that this is a trope, so we're going to sort of like, um, we're gonna parody the trope. Mm. But being, being that the parody of the trope is happening within the show, it sort of only serves to underline the monotony of yeah, these beats exactly. rather than sort of be like, a, a ref it was like referencing it in a knowing way, but I don't think it landed us in a new place as intended. It is really fascinating. That said, you know, here we are, we're about to begin recapping the 45th season of a show that, I mean, although things have changed about it, the formula is rather the same throughout time. And, we stay more or less interested in this show, so... <laughs> more or less, yeah. I'm very are curious to see <laughs> how it's going to change with the 90 minutes. What are we going to get? Because, you know, typically we get, you know, the opening segment on the beach, whatever, and then we're going to go to the reward challenge if there is one, and then we're going to, you know, follow up from the results of that, and then we're going to go to the immunity challenge, and then we're going to... Maybe there's an, uh, an advantage island, but now with 90 minutes, like, what are they... Is, what's the new segment going to be? Right. Or are we just going to have maybe uh, two segments of Tribal Council talking metaphors? Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm judging a book by its cover. I realize I'm worried yeah. about this season from the looks of the cast. And I say that only <laughs> because there's like this templatized survivor cast. Like if you were to mm -hmm. be like, draw me a survivor, a modern day survivor cast, it would be this. But... I am heartened by, there have been some really surprisingly magnetic characters to emerge in the current season of Big Brother. It's not a season being held up solely by Suri, and these shows share casting departments. And so I'm optimistic in that, like, I think Survivor season 37 could potentially not be an anomaly because the current uh, Big Brother season 25 cast is giving me David versus Goliath in terms mm. of the alchemy of these characters and like mm -hmm. there being like a slew of legends. But I think we might have to hold out for Survivor 46. That said, I'm willing to eat crow on this. We were pretty meh on 44 going into it yeah. and came out rather thumbs up. Um, so we shall see. Yeah. Have you heard about this twist in 45 with the Tribal Council? No. I'm worried because there is a twist that I don't know if it's every tribal council. It sounds like it might be where the winning tribe gets to send a representative of their tribe to to observe the other tribe's tribal council, which is just going to create an environment in which the tribe at tribal council voting someone off is even less inclined to talk mm -hmm. about the reality of the vote. 
which is already an issue when there's no observer there. And are they sticking, they're still sticking to three chives of six? Yeah. Yikes. Okay. Or 45 and 46. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Um, before we get into Panama, yeah. can we touch down real quick on Big Brother and Challenge USA? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Can I say this about Big Brother? I've kind of stopped watching. <laughs> I get it. I, I think that, like, if you if you are someone who is like, I'm going to try Big Brother because Suri's on it, I think you might quickly learn that the speed of Big Brother and, and combined with the three episodes a week and then the live feeds, which sort of now play out on Twitter... It's just such a different cadence than Survivor that I think if you're not akin to it, it can be like, you're not going to get, this is not going to be the Suri show. Well, do you're you know what to shocked me about it is that that like that last veto episode, the one where they were building uh, blocks of a bouquet of flowers. Mm-hmm. That is 15 minutes of my life I will never get back. I couldn't believe that on primetime CBS, there was a program this boring. It's funny because anyone listening to you say that right now that is a Big Brother fan is probably laughing out loud, being like, that on the riveting to boring scale would skew more towards riveting in the (laughs) canon of Big Brother. It was so boring. I've never seen anything like it. Where so it's like one of so the, you yeah, you had to they had to rebuild and rebuild. There was so many times that somebody's stuff fell down. It's like we could have cut five minutes of this. We don't need to see every time they build. We just yes. need to see like important moments of getting close and falling, and then eventually somebody's going to win it. We don't need to see every time. So if Big Brother had a colon after the title, it would be we could have cut this um, dot dot dot. But yeah. I think that one of the big things I'm seeing right now on Twitter is a feeling like more than usual, because there's so much happening in the house because everyone is very eager to play the game, the show, the the one that's on CBS, is like unable to capture like many of the things that are happening um, on the live feeds that are particularly entertaining. There are entire like, not arcs per se, but there are entire characters that are emerging on the live feeds that have yet to really make it onto the show. Uh, Notably like Izzy and Felicia, for instance, who I think are two of the breakout stars of this season. I think that once we get rid of like those first four or five boots and the show can settle into its cast a bit more, I think uh, the show will become more tenable. Mm. But like, yeah, right now it's just, it's very frantic. But this is my thing is like watching that veto competition, I am semi aware of what's going on on the live feeds only because of Twitter and I'm seeing interesting things. I'm seeing a lot of talk about Izzy. I haven't quite been following the clips and stuff enough to know what people are talking about Izzy, but I can see that people are... I, I don't know if she's like a polarizing figure, but people are talking about her. And so I want to see why. And so if the show is dedicating 15 minutes to building a bouquet of flowers with blocks, that's 15 minutes we can't spend finding out what people are going crazy about the live feeds for. Absolutely. And I would just say like what you're saying is like the overwhelming opinion of fans of the show. So like <laughs> right, you okay. are saying the very popular opinion. We're all scratching our heads wondering while also accepting that like that is part of the buy-in of being a big brother fan is accepting the fact that like this show is very very poorly edited but i would say what differentiates 
Big Brother fans from Survivor fans is I feel like it's more accepted amongst Big Brother fans that this is not a good show. This is not a mm. well-made show. It's just a great premise and it's occasionally well cast and blah, blah, blah. Whereas like I found that, especially when we were in our early days of recapping Survivor, I think there was a bit of like whiplash in us learning quickly that like fans don't love overwhelming scrutiny of this show. And, I, and, mm -hmm. and, and I'm not speaking, you know, that's a broad comment, but like that was one thing I observed is like Survivor fans are a little defensive yeah. about, more defensive of their show than most. Um, yeah. Anyway though, pretty pretty great season so far. Um, Suri is definitely making a splash. The house guests have not caught on to the fact that Jared is her son. That's uh, so For the wild. most part. And so, yeah, it's been fun watching them navigate that, uh, but they're doing a really great job of it, but no one's really on there. Like, no one's really suspecting them, so they're not having to be very ingenious. The other thing I wanted to touch down on briefly was just because I just got caught up on the Challenge USA, which has had two episodes so far, and... You're not watching, right? I'm not watching it. No. Yeah, I don't think it's worth watching. I gotta say, it is a very slow show. The one redeeming factor I find is that the challenges themselves are absolutely incredible. I mean, they are like just riveting. Um, but it's interesting because, again, I, I, I'm relatively new to the modern era challenge. For those that don't know, I used to watch the challenge back in like the early 2000s when it was just real world and road rules the contestants and it was not taken as seriously as it is now where it's like you have like legacy people who just their their job is just coming and competing in the show time and time again so michelle fitzgerald of survivor fame has her own fame within the challenge that's very separated from like the michelle of survivor yeah. for a lot of people when you say the name michelle fitzgerald they're going to say oh from the challenge which is something I'm learning yeah. as someone who doesn't have that, that that vantage point. She is very much brought up like a, a centerpiece of this show so far, especially uh, in the second episode, because she's feuding with another challenge vet. I want to say I, this is like her fourth season. Yeah, per, yeah, that that that, that makes sense. Um, I guess overall, I'm just sort of like, I, I feel like to, I love the premise of this show. I think that's one thing that brought you and I together on season one was this like, you know, the the multiverse of, of it all. It's just such a bummer who they have from Survivor. It's, I love Desi, but like we got her last season. Mm -hmm. I don't think I was like clamoring to have her back. I would say my favorite of the Survivor alumni on the show is definitely Michaela. I feel like Michaela is perfect for something like the challenge because she's truly like competitive and good at the challenges. And yeah, she's definitely like the star so far. And Chris she's Underwood, also from the challenge verse. This is not her. I feel like this is her third time maybe. Yeah. 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 Um, Chris Underwood has like yet to appear in the show, uh, has but his I was appeared. What has his weenie appeared? No, not yet. Okay, not yet. We we we're on watch. Holding out but, hope. But yeah, I just I'm just bummed because I feel like this show like wants to present itself as like this big link up that it could be that I think it had shades of in season one, especially in bringing in several Survivor winners. Like there was some excitement with season one. And then in bringing in, so this season they've brought in challenge vets, like real, like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, like big, big, big names like Johnny Bananas and like Wes. But I don't think they were able to bring it on the female side of the challenge vets. I feel like Jonna is not an icon. I mean, again, I don't, I guess I, I maybe it's like I'm speaking out of turn. 
I know Jonna from early challenges and I just, I don't think she's an icon. And especially in the first two episodes we saw her in, she was not giving like iconic television. And then they have this one character who's like Michelle's main foe. And it's like the first night in the house and they're like going at it over a guy who named Fessy who's also in the competition. And I'm like, this just feels like beneath beneath us as viewers. <laughs> I just couldn't get into it. So I'm going to continue on with it. We'll check in maybe in the future, but so far we were already like we sort of fell off after the season one finale. I feel like season two has not been like a redemptive moment for the show so far. Can I ask? Uh, I saw some tweets about Cassidy, and I think people were a little disappointed. I saw some comments that said like, "Oh my God, Cassidy, Cassidy, maybe Cassidy is a flop." And I'm like, "I've, I've known Cassidy was a flop since Survivor 43." So what is happening with Cassidy that people are all worked up about? Yeah, I mean, not much, basically. So she is, like, more or less a team captain in that they chose three people at random in the first episode who, like, got to schoolyard pick their teams. Um, but in the second episode, she... They break up... There's, like, two heats, and she's in heat one, and she's the first to drop. Basically, I think the presentation is, like, there's a nervous energy about Cassidy being on this show because... As physical as Survivor is, this show is like 10 times more physical and much more intricate in its design. And I feel like Cassidy clearly wants to be like a reality television staple. But I also think (laughs) it was recognizing that like this might not be the format for her. Um, But I do think from scenes from next week, she's going to go the showman's route, which I think Mm. you have two options on a show like this, where you can kind of be like a Michaela who like comes on the show, takes the competitions really seriously, like and dominates, hopefully. Um, Or you can be someone like a Cassidy. And I think Michelle Fitzgerald falls into this category more of like comes on the show, either like does like hooks up with people or starts drama. And so I think Cassidy is realizing that she's not going to be able to be a formidable competition beast. So she's going to have to slut it up. Okay. Okay. I saw that she deleted her Twitter. Good. So I'm going to be keeping my eye on Cassidy from a distance on the challenge USA. <laughs> Cause when Cassidy's down, I'm happy. Mm. All right. <laughs> well, let's talk Survivor. Pe- Unless you want to talk uh, Red, White, and Royal Blue, because I watched that. Oh, I know we would typically God. talk about that on Shut Up Evan, but I don't know. Or, or have you said it all? You said it all. You know what? Subscribe to Evan's Substack. <laughs> well, wait, just for 60 seconds. Can you give me your top level? Because you and I haven't touched down on this. I was quite surprised at how high you are on this movie. Having said that, I watched the whole thing. My attention was never f- faltered and I had fun with it. And it was definitely, I mean, like the, the the common sort of consensus I think is it's so bad that it's good or, well, although I, I wouldn't say that it's so bad, it's good. I think it's like, for me, it's good enough. I don't know that I'm as high on it as you, but it was, it, it's like a formidable entry in the canon of rom-coms period, which is not my genre of film that I would typically watch, but I've seen some really bad ones that I can't watch to the end. And I watched this and I had fun with it. Um, and you'd sort of like suspend your disbelief. And as a gay movie, I think, 
I think there are a lot of gay movies like this, but not as mainstream as this and maybe not as f- for what it's trying to do. It was really successful in what it was trying to do. What it's trying to do is not necessarily for me, but that I could watch it and enjoy it all the way to the end and suspend my disbelief in the way that I did. I wasn't rolling my eyes constantly where there was I sh- probably should have been. And I don't know how they did that, but like I enjoyed it. It was it was a perfect Sunday night watch. T. <laughs> I have nothing to add. I mean, like, yeah, obviously my feelings were all out there on the internet. I've been pretty loud about it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm thumbs up on Red, White, and Royal Blue. Can I ask you this? Because I can't get a definitive answer. Is, oh God, what's his name? Zachary? Taylor Zachary Perez. Ta- yeah, the, the Taylor Zachary. Are you going to ask if he's gay? Yeah. Am I not allowed to ask that? You're allowed to ask it. You're allowed to ask it. I don't love that that's, like, where people's minds go. Well, no, this is why, though. Like, let me explain this. Because the the big conversation for many, many, many years is about straight people playing gay roles. This is a huge gay movie. I don't think... So I I think there's the the question mark is around this guy, right? Yes. The other guy. The other guy is straight, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. Oh, okay. So we don't know either way. I, no, it's probably out there. It's not something I've dived into. Okay, my, okay. my feeling is, and I understand the impulse and the question, and I do think it's interesting how this movie has sort of been exonerated from like the larger question that sometimes plagues movies like this about like, oh, well, isn't it bad like when straight actors play gay? Um, my frustration, it has nothing to do, and you asking the question is not a part of my frustration, um, but it's sort of like, it sort of, it uh, affirms this idea that everyone is believed to be straight until they come out that like Mm -hmm. straight is the baseline and so i guess this idea that like he might like publicly date women but enjoy some dick on the side i just feel like the need to ascribe for people to like actors in particular to like come out and say this is my sexuality again assumes that that straightness is Everyone exists, like begins as straight, and then those of us who are not straight are deviating from straightness. And so while I assume that he enjoys women, I think that the assumption that he doesn't enjoy men is something that like, can't we, can't we, and I don't mean you, Sean, I just mean, can't we as a society believe that like everyone is on some, has in some degree of pansexuality, or am I being idealistic? I mean, like, that's the story of his character, isn't it? Um, So, like, that's fine. That tracks. I guess the reason I wonder about this is because they're both hot and they're both pretty mask. And so, like, that is playing into a certain fantasy that gay men have. And I'm like, how, you know, I'm suspending my disbelief. That was an area I had to suspend my disbelief in. They didn't read as gay to me, necessarily. That's funny. So they read as really gay to me and I didn't. I didn't read them as mask, but this is part, this is a much larger conversation. This is super fascinating to me. Um, but yeah, I will say I did not read particularly Taylor Zachary Perez's character, the lead Alex. I did not read him as overly masculine. Interesting. So yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, we'll save this for another time because yeah. we're 22 minutes in and we have a very great episode of survivor Panama to talk about. It is, Medical Emergency, Episode 11 of Survivor Panama, Exile Island. Wow. 
What an episode. And I love that it starts here. We, we They start seeding the Bruce story uh, very early on, that Bruce's stomach hurts and he's constipated. And there's this great moment <laughs> where <laughs> just to sort of foreshadow everything that's going to happen, where Bruce is like, I think I'm constipated. And Courtney jumps in. I was constipated once. Yeah, I, <laughs> you know, it's just like Courtney jumping in to make not that she's doing it on purpose, I think, but she just has a way of making every situation about herself. And this guy's in t- true agony. It's amazing, the powers it's, that Courtney has. It's really something. I like when <laughs> Courtney says, I remember being so constipated, I thought I was having. And then Danielle finishes her sentence by saying, a child? <laughs> What's like, particularly no. great about this episode is, like, obviously there are a lot of big moments, like, you know, the Bruce medevac mm-hmm. and everything that happens with Courtney during the challenge. But there's a lot of small mm-hmm. throwaway moments. I think the most drop your buffs coded moment and what will need to lead the carousel, Sean, would be... <laughs> Would be Courtney. Yes, is it the Courtney singing? coming over to Bruce and saying, <laughs> "Should I sing?" Him saying no. Her starting to sing, and him crying out in the pain <laughs> that is a combination of his inability to produce a bowel and hearing her voice, and then him responding, "Don't, don't." <laughs> it's so good. The fact that she starts to sing. Also, there's like that scene where the med- medics are there. They've injected him with some kind of, you know, a pain relief. Plus, they're giving him that little mouth thing, which they've given before. I, you know, I never really see that in the real world, but it's something you suck on to. It helps relieve the pain. Mm-hmm. He can't even get it to his mouth because he starts convulsing. And Courtney shoves her head in the shelter and is like, are you feeling better, Bruce? Incredible. <laughs> like, give him the space, Courtney. Give him the space. You just don't get that level of self-awareness on television today. You don't. You don't. We need that. It's so important. I just think people don't talk about Courtney enough in the survivor world. It's true. We and talk this about really her, was but she is so important in this making was a this star a turn episode. season. And what's great about this episode is we have seven contestants left, correct? Uh yeah. With so Bruce, it's like yeah. all seven of them are icons. And not just that, all seven, I mean, I would say the least iconic actually happens to be Aris, ironically, with him being the winner. But like these seven are such seven defined characters. Yes. I think you'd be hard pressed to find a season of Survivor with this many characters who like all seven of them, real Survivor fans will remember these seven, where there have been times, especially in the 30s, when I'll see someone and I'll be like, who is that? And you'll be like, oh, they were the runner up. And I will be like, what? So I just think it's incredible that, you know, after Sally went last episode, we are really left with a titan of of a cast. Totally. We had those pictures on Instagram of a survivor pool party that I think Dom had put up and there was a whole bunch of people there, but you sent them to me and you were like, who, like, who are some of these people? And I gen, I genuinely, there was two or three people in that group that I genuinely have no idea who they are. I went to their bios. It says they're survivor contestants. I really truly do not know who they are. It's just, it made me like angry. And also, I'm gonna say this because we're on the Patreon. Wait, what? What can I? Can I? Can I ask what made you angry about it? Because I so like in my in my mind, I'm like the idea of a bunch of Survivor alumni getting together for a pool party is so exciting to me, yeah. and the fact that like this is who the alumni are at present 
it's like such a roller coaster of an emotion to me because I'm like, I see the image and I'm like, oh my God, like who's going to be there? Is Colby like, oh going to be there? Oh my God, a 12-person pool party. Yeah, and then it's just like, I'm literally, I see Eliza and then I'm like looking around and I'm like, oh, Vanuatu representation. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. And then I'm like, oh, but, 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 no one. Yeah. And I got to say, I mean, no disrespect. Y'all know I love our girl Eliza, but I'm like, I want, I want better for her. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But wait, yeah. also, but Josh was there, right? Uh, well, yeah, one of them was there. I have to say there's, similar to Sugar, I feel like there's been a little bit of an awakening with Josh. Totally. In that he was, like, very out of the verse, and then all of a sudden is popping up, and it's like, I'm not saying, I'm not giving us credit for that, but I'm just I'm just saying, it's like, he's back, baby. Yeah, I don't think we have, <laughs> we haven't talked to him. <laughs> I know you had lunch with him. I did. You did. And Xander and Andrea, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was a nervous energy. From? Everyone except for me. <laughs> 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 okay, great. Okay, well, let's get to this reward challenge because it is one of the all-time greats. They get tree mail with these, uh, not life-size, but large voodoo dolls that they have to dress up uh, and make look like themselves. And it's kind of great because Sari says, well, we have to design them in our likeness, but they're basically already there. And then she proceeds to stuff the breasts of her voodoo doll. I thought they more or less did a good job. I thought Aris's, when he showed it to Sari, really looked like Aris. Yeah, and I gotta say, I mean, it's as a testament to this episode, you know, I think it was a couple weeks ago I texted you and I was like, Sean, I was like, I can't keep doing 10 memes per episode. There's just not enough memeable content. If, if you go back and look at some of our previous episodes, you can tell we're kind of scraping the barrel by way of <laughs> memeing. This was an example of like, I was ready to do a Suri moment of her, because she has a really funny confessional about like her wanting the boobs to be, or her wanting it to be more voluptuous or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're just simply, I, I, I wasn't able to make it because I was like, I'm already at capacity. Yeah. So you didn't do it. I didn't do it. We almost need a second. I'm time. really proud of the memes this week. Okay. I believe. I you. think I've got, <laughs> so I did 10 and I would say like at least six are like excellent memes. Okay. Great. Watch out. Watch out world. Yeah. Here comes Drop Your Buffs Instagram. Hello. Uh, And then they all have to fill out a survey about each other. And for each category, they're going to have to guess what the majority of the tribe said. If you get it right, you get to chop someone's strings. So it's the old coconut chop challenge uh, from Marquesas that we talked to Kathy about where, you know, pecking orders are revealed. But uh, this one gets personal fast. I just, and they're they're playing for a spa retreat. It's a helicopter ride, a mud massage, a feast, sleepover at this uh, spa. Very, very good reward. massage. A rough, rough massage, especially if you're Danielle. That guy was really flinging her around. Oh, yeah. It's like, that's not a massage. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I want to run through some of the questions and answers. So we have, who does the least for the tribe? And the answer was Danielle, which kind of came as a surprise to me. Because Bruce, we got a lot of content about how Bruce just works on his rock garden. Right. Uh, He, you know, he... Drank all the alcohol in the outhouse that one time. They sort of like yelled at Bruce about not getting firewood. I was kind of surprised not to see Bruce here, but it was Danielle. And Danielle's always making a little fire. 
Yeah, but apparently not enough. It's just perception. We've said it before. We'll say it again. This is the most outstanding challenge. It makes no sense why this challenge has gone away. And I think the fact that this challenge secured a win for Suri only underlines the importance of a challenge like this in two ways, both in giving us outstanding television, but also in allowing us to learn more about how people, well, actually three things, so that, how people can learn, how we can learn more about how people feel about one another, and in allowing someone like Suri, who is not the most physically uh, capable of players when it comes to these competitions, allowing her to succeed. By the way, let's just say it now, Shane's comment about 300 pounds Mm -hmm. Suri, what the fuck, man? Yeah, it's bad. Shane is the definition of a complicated character. Yeah. He can at once be, in one moment, he can be sensitive and, you know, very compelling to watch and very easy to sympathize with. And in the next, he can be an absolute asshole, nasty, want nothing to do with him, Russell Hands type. Uh, Well, Shane also got a little surprise here when they had the question, who mistakenly believes they're running the game? And they said Shane. Shane's little outbursts and tantrums in this challenge were also really fun to watch. Like, you know, when he does eventually get chopped and he throws his cards and he's stropping and you're like, wow, like grow up. And, you know, I think Danielle says something like it's just a game. And like his response is really endearing, I thought, because he's like, yeah, I know. I wanted to go on a jet ride and, and have a meal. It's like, okay, yeah, I understand that. He just, like, you don't see guys like Shane who just kind of, like, wear their heart on their sleeve like that and then turn around and, and make 300-pound comments that then you can also hate and and threaten to murder somebody, but we'll get to that later. Uh, <laughs> and then we have all of these Courtney categories. Who never shuts up? Courtney. Uh, we've got who is the biggest poser? Courtney doesn't know what it is, but the answer is her. Uh, who most easily succumbs to intimidation? Who is the most annoying person? And that one's really going to get under her skin. And I just love the way that she's genuinely hurt by being the answer to this. And you're seeing somebody sort of have to come to the realization of like how they be that how they're perceived, which is so different than the way that they perceive themselves. And she's sort. This is sinking in, and she's hurt by it. She's upset. And right next to her is Sari, who's laughing the entire time. It's and it's genius. just like such a great dichotomy. And then on top of Courtney's neuroses, you get Shane's neuroses yeah. happening subsequently. And he's reacting in, to something entirely different. And then you have Aris kind of taking on the role of dad to be like, wait a minute, guys, like this is, they're trying to tear us apart. And then you have Terry laughing at all of it. So you have Terry and Suri laughing, but they're laughing at completely different things. It's all, there's just so many layers to this. Yeah. And then there's the pecking order. So again, in Survivor history, there's this issue with this challenge revealing a pecking order. And I think people have gotten around to that by sort of like, okay, I need to take out my allies so that just to leave some confusion. But here there's no confusion that Terry is on the outs and they all want him. So Terry's out first, but where where it gets interesting is who goes out after. So we have Bruce, then Danielle, then Courtney, then Shane, then Aris, and Cerise the winner. And it's interesting because later we'll find out that there is some alliance between Shane, Aris, and Sari, right? 
uh, and Sari reinforces that alliance to Shane after he's upset that she uh, doesn't take him on the reward. So I feel like, despite the fact that this may or may not be the way this shakes out, um, the pecking order sort of is revealed here in a way. Absolutely. How great would a challenge like this have been in 44? When we were mm-hmm. really sort of wondering who's with who is, what was it Ratu? Yeah. Uh, it's like, are they really as strong as, you totally. know, that would have been really nice to see to force someone like Carson to like, you know, fold his hand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this was absolutely fantastic television. Great to see. And really fun to watch Suri win a challenge. Totally. And then she ends up taking Aris and Danielle, which just further infuriates Shane because, you know, she, and it sounds like they did have some deal. She was like, he was like, uh, Sari, you said you were you were going to take me. And she said, but I told Aris first that I take him. Right. And like, you know, we obviously, as you said, like we get later in the episode, this revelation of like the three of them have something. I could have used a little bit more of an understanding in previous episodes mm-hmm. of the developing relationship between Aris and Sari. Because that kind of does come out of nowhere in this episode um, in understanding. We were sort of, I think, given the impression that it was like Suri, Courtney, and Danielle as a potential like trio. So I would just love to know like where the Suri-Aris relationship began. Yeah, agreed. We talked about this in uh, sort of all of our previous recaps that we just had no idea what the dynamics within the Kasaya tribe are. It's also interesting, I think at the top of this episode, that Shane said to Danielle, we're going to be the first tribe in Survivor history to go all the way to the end together, which, well, they were in their recruitment phase, so they didn't necessarily know their Survivor history to be saying this. True. At the reward, they do talk about, I mean, they so they have this great time on the reward. Suri's it's just a laugh track from Sri the whole time. Uh, but there is this revelation that's made that Danielle believes that Shane and Courtney's relationship is the way it is because Courtney has a big old crush on Shane, which kind of comes out of nowhere. But then it comes up again later after Courtney and Shane have their little like, I mean, I don't know if it's a fight or a strategy session or what it is, but he calls her a bunny boiler fatal attraction and so there's some insinuation in that that he feels the same way and this is coming out of nowhere and do you feel there's any truth to this so in the fatal attraction the that that would cast that would mean shane would be the michael douglas i yeah i guess so yeah i'm yeah i'm having trouble with that one uh i am intrigued i don't see it but i i i I don't see it, but when brought forward to me, I am able to flip the lens on that then can see it. Yeah. Well, we did say Shane was fuckable. Yes, fuckable. <laughs> In the sense that he could be fucked. Yeah, you could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, maybe we'll have to leave a comment on uh, Courtney yawning. No, I'm just kidding. Don't, don't, nobody do that. Nobody asks if she has a crush on Shane because I think she has kids and a husband. So like, Look, let's not we've rock had the boat no luck there. in any of our outreach. So it would be uh, uh, well. <laughs> hey, everybody. Well, when they were commenting, remember we said there was extra credit for commenting at Courtney Yachting on uh-huh. our last one. She was she liked those immediately as soon as Wait. they were commented. She was liking them. Really? Yeah. So I don't get it. I really don't get what's up with this girl. And you know what? That tracks with the girl I know from Panama. I'm frustrated. 
Maybe she doesn't have a big crush on us. Huh. She's an enigma. Yeah, seriously. Okay. She remains unknowable. We'll see what we can get this week. Maybe I'll tag her in the image of singing to Bruce. Yeah. See how that goes down. (laughs) Uh, Well, back at camp is where all the action goes down because uh, Shane and Courtney are rehashing the whole thing. Courtney's very much like, I'm upset. I'm upset at all of the answers that I was given, especially that I'm the most annoying person in the tribe because, you know, she said a day ago I was happy to be here and today I don't want to be here at all. And Shane is like, what are you talking about? Get over it. I don't get it. And then like they sort of talk through and he's like, okay, I can can see your point of view. Like they have such an interesting dynamic. And meanwhile, Bruce is like, I can't shit. And I'm like, I'm in pain. And it's so funny to see just the three of these people back at camp because meanwhile, Terry's on exile doing nothing. So you have them going through that. Bruce needs to go lay down. And so that's where we sort of leave things. He's writhing on the ground. And then at night, it's not getting better. And he asks for the medics to come. Uh, and they come and, you know, this is where you get all the great stuff. Courtney singing to Bruce. Uh, the medics come. She, she's sticking her head in the tent. And they're like, okay, we got to get him out of here. Can you guys help us? Can you put him on this, it's whatever, it's not stretcher, but thing. And you, we need you to help him carry us. <laughs> and, and Shane's like, well, do we have to do it right now? Because I'm naked. And they're like, yeah, we have to do it right now. Um, and then so you get this great series of events where Shane is naked. He's apologizing to everybody for being naked. They're rolling Bruce onto the thing. And it's like funny, but it's also emotional. And I love the music they use in this scene. Yeah. It's incredible. They get you with the music. Early Survivor slash Titanic music. And it's kind of like, it feels very touch and go, especially when he starts shaking. And it's, it's strangely like calm. Like the medics are very like, it takes them a while to get to like a, we need to like evacuate him where I'm kind of like, if I show up and he's like on the ground writhing in pain, like I would be like, let's get him out of here. We'll assess his, you know, where he sits in the game later. But like, it seems like life threatening. Yeah, it's really bad. I think they thought maybe, I mean, they, I don't know what they thought. That medic was hot though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bring him back. (laughs) And it's also strange just to see because so often we're used to seeing a medic come and they're accompanied by Jeff. And for Jeff not to be here as Bruce's medevac is is just odd. And then you see all these other medics and the boat people. There's just all these strange people at camp. It's it's an unusual sight, especially uh, in the night vision. Um, But it is, at the end of the day, emotional, even though uh, you've got Shane completely nude and waving goodbye to the boat. So that's it for Bruce. And then the next morning is where you get this great scene, one of my all-time favorite quotes from Survivor, where Shane is talking to Courtney. He's like, look, like, let, let's just work together. Like, let's commit to working together here because if I need your vote, this if I need your vote one time just to get forward, I want you to not question who I'm asking you to vote out. And that's a weird request to make already. It doesn't quite like totally make sense. I think he needs to be more clear about it. And she's like, well, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, sure, we'll play together. And yeah, I guess I can keep it to myself. And then we have Shane saying, if you don't, I'll kill you when I get back to Hollywood. I'll drive up to you and I'll kill you in your shitty little apartment and I'll drive to my club and that'll be it. And Courtney's response to this threat of murder in Cole's blood is, I don't have a shitty apartment. Like, come on, you can't write this. It's interesting to wonder how this scene would have been viewed 
in a 2023 lens. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. you have to imagine that that would be perceived as a, a threat. Like he's threatening to kill her. Literally. Um, and looking at you know, the code of conduct as it exists today, I feel like that would be grounds for expulsion from the game. A hundred percent. So it's funny that not only is it's like such a horrific moment, but then her response to it ultimately being not not funny in the moment, but funny for us, the viewer, to watch dissipates the effect of him <laughs> him threatening her life. Yeah. But because she glosses over that and fixates on the shitty apartment, it it's kind of allows you to laugh at the moment altogether, yeah, which is yeah. actually a really like difficult moment to watch. Yeah. It honestly is a reminder to me of so much early reality television where we saw in some instances microaggressions, but in some instances like flat out sexual violence or just or situations like this but the person on the receiving end of it is either confused or doesn't receive it or, or mis- doesn't hear it or what have you. And then we, as an audience, sort of because they aren't responding to it, I think that it built this sort of like understanding from a lot of audiences to excuse behavior like that mm-hmm. because it wasn't being dealt with in the moment. And it's just interesting taking that 2023 lens where like, Twitter picks up on these things. There's an instance I'm thinking of most recently. I think it was below deck, like Australia or something. Are are you following this story? No. There was an instance in which a drunken castmate on the show, pardon me if I'm like, I don't watch the show, so I don't know the exacts, but he was naked and drunk and attempted to get into bed with a fellow cast member who was also drunk and did not give consent to the situation and attempted to close the door and lock the door. And the producers and camera people had to intervene and remove him from the room. And basically there's like been a ton of conversation online about that moment playing out and whether or not he should be removed from the show altogether, blah, blah, blah. But that's just an instance of like, there's a time in reality television history where like he would have entered the room, locked the door and like that would have been that. And and it would have been like, oh wow, did they hook up? Like no question of like whether or not you know, there's just, it's so interesting how much the lens has changed on how we view things because the what is happening has not changed. It's more how we as a culture react to it. Yeah. And I feel like what Courtney's reaction here is showing is that this was normal behavior for Absolutely. Shane and nobody took it seriously because there is, I think in the very early days when that this Kasaya alliance was originally coming together pre-merge, he, he made a similar comment to Danielle or it was a group, but I think it was directed at Danielle where he said like, you know, we're together and if you, if you backstab me, I'll kill you. And, and he, I think he probably just throws around like, shut up or I'll kill you. I was just going to say, here's the thing. When you use language like that, and it's brushed off by those on the receiving end, it incentivizes you to, it normalizes that sort of uh, language because it doesn't hold any consequence. So it is sort of fascinating just, I mean, this is uh, a really ripe discussion point, not for drop your buffs necessarily, but just in general where it's like, yeah, does, does he mean it? Probably not, but who's to know for certain, but it seems excusable based off of her response but yeah, it just it, it's really fascinating. It's totally fascinating. 
but her response is so good. So and, good. And then that he's like, of course, I don't know whether you have a shitty apartment or not. I've never been to your house. Like, it's an adjective. Uh, and the, yeah, it's just so funny how that gets derailed from this, like, very graphic description of how he's going to murder her in her home. And... <laughs> And then that it gets fixated on what her home is like. Uh, it's so great. And then we get like a little insight from Shane in his confessional. He's like, Courtney is a lunatic and I want her in the final two because of course I would beat her. And so it's like this conversation he was having to secure a vote potentially in the future when they're trying to move forward through, you know, Kasaya turning on each other uh, is, is actually maybe a glimpse into his ultimate strategy, which is bringing Courtney to the end, which like that's a day 39 I want to see. Oh, yeah. Two of them on the beach together. That's a final tribal I want to see. Second chances, too, perhaps. Do you know what's funny? I don't remember who. The, <laughs> I know I you don't. I think. <laughs> is it, it's a final two, right? Yeah. Okay, so, like, my guess, my guess, I think that it's Aris and Terry, but it also could be Aris and Shane. I don't know. Hmm. Guess we'll find out. Yeah, I guess so. We have a lot <laughs> left. I was looking at the how many I episodes know. are left. I was like, buckle up. I know, there's a lot left. Uh, okay, so then, of course, we have the reward people, Sari, Aris, and Danielle coming back to camp, like, uh, just scared that they have to face the wrath of particularly Shane, who was very upset not to be chosen, and then, of course, Courtney, who was chosen for all the bad answers and the reward. Uh, but they don't realize that the reason nobody's coming out is because they're depressed because Bruce was taken away. And you have Courtney break it to them in this really funny way, which is like, she's like, yeah, so just so you know, like, Bruce was awful, and then the medics had to come and get him, and now he's gone, and, like, he's probably dead. Uh, but I'm sure you guys had a great time on the reward. <laughs> the way she put a pin on that was so great. It was just, like, typical Courtney. She's like... I had this experience that you didn't have, and just so you know, I'm having a way better, worse day than you, so you better not talk about this. Um, okay. Queen. And then we have Shane sort of, like, doing the damage control, so he's talking to, or trying to get damage control done for him, I suppose. So he's talking to Aris, he says he's done with Sari, he wants Danielle out of here, um, and I love this, that, that Aris and Shane are talking, and Danielle and Sari are watching them talk just out of earshot. Mm -hmm. And that you have the commentary on them talking with Danielle being like, has he has he never played sports? Like you win, you lose. It doesn't matter. Um, so Danielle's really coming into her own, I feel like, in the in this portion of the game. Uh, and then you have Sari do, I think, some really great damage control with Shane. Uh, at where like she really flexes her social strategic muscle where she handles him so well and he's somebody who is so hard to handle I mm -hmm. feel like but she slides in these little things like it's not like the like my my connection with Danielle or my connection with ours it's not like the connection we have and that really puts him at ease it seems and he seems to like accept that okay this is this alliance of me Sari and Aris are really locked in and then, so, you know, it's getting close to the end of the episode. We're realizing that there's not going to be a tribal council. The girls are working on Bruce's rock garden. And uh, the way the way Courtney wants to pay tribute is to adding to the rock garden, which I feel like is Bruce's nightmare situation, where she's adding the words. She said she was going to add love Bruce, but then she, the way it reads is actually Bruce love. So I think she did it the wrong way around. Uh, <laughs> so... It was quite a tribute, though. Uh, and then Jeff Probst shows up in the boat with Terry, 
and uh, tells them that Bruce is out of the game. And there was a great moment from Sari there as well, because they're all kind of like watching the boat come in and, and they're trying to figure out who's on it. And Sari's like, oh, that's that's Terry. That's, that's Terry's shirt, right? Oh my God, Jeff Probst is there too? And she's just off the beach and, and, she, and she says, well, I got to go find out what this is all about. It's like, well, yeah, what else, what else do you have to do? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Jeff Probst is coming to your beach. Uh, so that's it. And we say farewell to Bruce. I do have a voicemail. Is it Courtney? <laughs> okay, let's not get our hopes up. It is our friend Mary, sometimes co-host. Love Mary. I know. Didn't Mary's origin on the podcast begin in the bathtub? It did begin in the bathtub. Sari got off the couch. Mary got out of the tub. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's Mary. Hi, Sean and Evan. Mary here. I could not let the occasion of Sean's favorite Survivor episode of all time pass without calling to leave a voicemail. So, hello. Uh, this, I couldn't agree with you more, Sean. Certainly the most entertaining episode of Survivor of all time. From when Courtney at the beginning of the episode is talking about her own constipation struggle and she says, yeah, I thought I was going to have, and then I think Daniel chimes in, a baby. Uh, And then all the way to the end, when Courtney is out here already commandeering Bruce's sketchbook and is huddled by that tree, grumpily with her sketchbook, now hers, it's so good. I do have a question for you both on the subject of medical evacuations. So my understanding of the line in the sand, as it were, in this case, between what will allow a player to stay in the game versus what will force them to be removed from the game is whether they are hospitalized. So I guess that's why James is out here just getting his leg fully bandaged by medical and carrying on versus our dear Jonathan Penner, who has to be shipped out after his uh, sort of calf struggle. I don't know. Um, Is that your understanding of what the distinction is? And if so, do you feel that that is appropriate? Or should we have been able to welcome Bruce back after his lower intestine had been cleared as well as his bladder? Uh, That's all. I do think Jeff Probst has eaten ass, but I do not think he has romantically kissed a man. All right. Love you. Bye. Okay. <laughs> My understanding, which I think is aligned with Mary, is, is that if you're off the island, if you have to be removed from the island, you're out of the game. I think so, but it seemed a little odd in this episode where it wasn't exactly clear that that was the case when Bruce left, but I think that may just be because Jeff wasn't there for the evacuation, and I think Jeff has to formally make that call, Mm -hmm. Um, but it is odd that they waited so long for Jeff to show up and kind of reveal that news. I've never really seen it play out that way, but yeah, it is also my understanding that if you need to go be assessed outside of the tribe or like in the the setting of the game whether that be at a hospital or or somewhere else like a medical tent off site that that requires you to be removed from the game i don't personally think that that's appropriate what do you think is appropriate so in australian survivor the approach that they take is that you are allowed to be removed from the game for a period of up to 24 hours to be medically assessed and then if it's deemed that you are okay to play 
you can be put back in the game. And I like that. It adds an interesting dynamic where, uh, especially depending on where those 24 hours fall, if there's a tribal council in there, it can really screw up plans, but then that person can come back. Uh, and they may not be fully, uh, you know, like healed per se. They may still be a liability. Uh, we've seen some cases where this has played out, particularly in uh, just this last season of Australian Survivor Heroes versus Villains, where somebody is medically uh, removed for the 24 hour period uh, dur- during the first tribal council and comes back and we would not have nearly the same season as we did if they had just been removed. Uh, and I think that like, me- like maybe not somebody like Bruce, although he was a good character, but there are certain players that just like, I think the history of the season would really change. Like perhaps Russell Swan, like in Samoa, he was uh perhaps the only formidable competitor to Russell Hans. How would the season have played out if Russell Swan was able to come back after being evacuated? Yeah, and I think Mary's example of Penner uh, is a mm-hmm. great example. Uh, if Jeff Probst were hosting this podcast, he would offer up, who's the guy that went home in the first episode of 44 that's coming back? Yeah, Bruce. Yeah, he would be like, Bruce is a great example. Yeah, but I totally agree with you. I feel like... If you can go away for a period of time and have the situation like taken care of, you should absolutely be able to come back from the game. Because so often it's about, you know, getting some stitches put in or just mm-hmm. getting something cleaned up. I don't think stepping away from the island out of medical necessity should be like a demerit to like you coming back or like being able to come back into the game. Obviously, there are situations where the person is, you know, deemed unable to come back. That I completely understand. But yeah, I feel like there have been times where it's like someone clearly would have been able to come back. I mean, I have to imagine, wouldn't James have probably been able to come back on Heroes versus Villains? Well, James was voted out of Heroes versus Villains. Sorry, he sorry, excuse me. He was evacuated from Micronesia. Sorry, wouldn't he? Hard to say on that. Like, I think both Penner and James, like, they had infections. So I think that that's, I don't... Like, I don't know. Is it like you have to be given a course of antibiotics and then maybe they can take them during the game, but maybe not. Maybe they need to be taken, like, with food. I Like, I don't know. I think infections are a little tricky. Um, but if it's, like, if it's a Russell Swan situation where he's passed out and they want to, they need to go get him hydrated or something like that, if that's a matter of 12 hours, I think that person should come back to the game. I don't think it's fair. Yeah. Uh, but there are other situations that just like probably it's not gonna it's it's not gonna be resolved in twenty four hours. Can you recall? I don't mean to like get get you on trivia here, but like, is there a medevac that has taken place on U.S. Survivor this late in the game? Uh, well, there's I think there's the similar uh, poop medevac with uh, that old man Joe in Korong, who was also constipated after he had the steak uh, reward challenge. Uh, he ate a steak and then he was unable to poop for a long time and they did medically evacuate him in that season because there was a lot of medevacs that season. Um, so I think that, I that was pretty that late season. in the game. And then there was also that medevac that happened around the merge with the guy who was Aubrey's uh, alliance member. He had a skin, his, he had like a skin bacterial infection on his skin that was like eating away at his shoulder or something like that. Um, and he was like, that was not late in the game. That was just post merge. But uh, that's an example of one where it was like, I think that significantly changed the game. Mm-hmm. 
but there's got to be late medevacs, but none are coming to mind. Well, farewell, Bruce. You should have taken Mike Scoopin's place on Philippines, where we brought back three medevacs, and unfortunately, one of them was a pedophile. All right. <laughs> With that, let's uh, wrap this one up. Do we have an emoji for the, for the meme cap this week? I mean, I feel like it's got to be poop. Let's do the poop it's gotta in be. honor of Bruce. Yeah. I think we already did a, didn't we do a poop? We're doing it again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. Until next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.